0: And welcome back to another episode of the Stephen Jarvis and Friends Podcast. Today we have some big news. As we have passed the 750 downloads all time on the podcast, we are at 881. We are on the road to 1,000 downloads all time. But I have a kicker here for you. That being, if we reach 1,000 downloads in the last 30 days on the podcast, which we are at 221, I do believe. Yes, we are at 221 downloads in the last 30 days, or if we reach a thousand downloads on the podcast all time, I will do a live stream Q, Q questions and answers where you, the fans get to ask all the questions as long as they're within reason and they're not, you know, douchey, I will answer them. Thank you so very much for all the love and support that you've shown to this podcast Also, go check out the podcast of the month for April, that being Barrel-Aged Flicks and History I'd Like to Fuck or Hilf with Don Brody. And if you're looking for an award show where you get to pick the winners, go to The Denny's, which if you go on to the deluxeeditionnetwork.com website, you will find a part of the website that says The Denny's. Click on that and vote for your favorite categories including podcaster of the year. Thank you so very much again. And today we are talking about The New York History of the New York Jets Episode 2 The Broadway Joe Era. Road to Super Bowl 3. Namath did not start the 1965 Orange Bowl game as he was nursing an injured knee. He came off the bench in the second quarter with Alabama down by two touchdowns and led his team to within a foot of victory, falling short in a run on the game's final play. Despite the loss, he was voted the game's most valuable player. The following day, Namath officially signed with New York for an uh, unprecedented contract worth 4, 427000 over three years. The total included bonuses yet to be earned as well as a convertible given to Namath as a signing bonus. The Jets had been aware that Namath had knee problems, but when team doctor Nicholas examined Namath in the restroom at a party held to celebrate his signing, he told the quarterback that he had known Namath's knees were that bad he would have advised Warblin not to sign him. The Jets scheduled Namath for surgery amid considerable public interest. The media asked for photo- photograph to for photographed the operation, but were refused permission. The Jets hedged their bets by signing three other quarterbacks for a total of 400000 including Notre Dame quarterback and Heisman Trophy winner John Harrit. There was an intense media spotlight on Namath, who became known for a playboy lifestyle. He was dubbed Broadway Joe. Eubank maintained throughout training camp that second-year quarterback Mike Califer- Califorio was the number one quarterback and disappointed a sellout crowd at Houston's Rice Stadium by keeping Namath on the bench at the Jets' season opener. Eubank felt that Namath might not be ready for several more months, but Werblin intervened. Namath saw his first regular season action in the AFL the next week against the Kansas City Chiefs, also known as the former Dallas Texans, and he was – starting quarterback the following week against the Buffalo Bills. Namath's performance was inconsistent as he gained pro experience, but he was named AFL Rookie of the Year. The Jets finished the season five, eight, and one again. Beginning in nineteen sixty six, the Jets began to improve on the field behind Namath, who led them to a six, six and two record. That season the NFL AFL announced a merger which would be effective in nineteen seventy. A championship game it became known it became It came to be known as the Super Bowl, played between the two league champions, would follow each season until the merger took place. In 1967, Namath threw a then-record 4,007 yards as the Jets posted their first winning record 8-5-1. The Jets had the division until running back Emerson Boozer was injured against the Chiefs on November 6, which meant opposing teams were able to concentrate on the passing threat from Namath. In 1968, Warblin's co-owners gave him an ultimatum, either buy them out or be bought out. He chose the latter option, reportedly profiting $1.4 million for his 1963 investment of $250,000. Prior to Warblin's departure, the Jets had considered firing Eubank. They attempted to secure Green Bay Packers coach Vince Lombardi, but Lombardi decided to remain in Green Bay one more season. That season... The season started with the usual three-game road, three road games due to this team's status as secondary tenant to the Mets at Shea Stadium. The Jets rose to the top of the AFL East. They had lost only two games by mid-November and built a three-game lead over second-place Houston. New York's next game was at Oakland in what became known as the Heidi game. The Jets took a 3 32-29 lead with 68 seconds left, only to have Oakland score two touchdowns to win the game. However, the touchdowns went unseen by most, by much of the national TV audience as NBC had switched at 7 p.m. to a TV movie of Heidi. Nevertheless, the Jets won their remaining games to finish 11-3. In the playoffs, the Jets defeated the Raiders for the AFL Championship at Shea Stadium 27-23, a game in which... Namath threw three touchdowns, including the game winner to Don Maynard in the fourth quarter, Super Bowl III. In the Super Bowl at the or- Miami Orange Bowl on January 12, 1969, the Jets faced the Baltimore Colts, who had dominated the NFL with a 13-1 and record in their 14 regular season games. The Colts permitted only 144 points. Their sole loss had been to the Cleveland Browns, who they then defeated 34 to nothing in the 1968 NFL championship game. Bookie Jimmy the Greek Snyder proclaimed the Colts as 17 point favorites over the Jets. Sports Illustrated's top football writer Texas Mui predicted a 43 to 0 Colts victory. The first two Super Bowls had been dominated by the NFL champion Green Bay Packers, most journalists expected the Colts to easily defeat the Jets. From his arrival in Miami, Namath was outspoken about the Jets' chances in the Super Bowl. He alleged that there were five AFL quarterbacks better than Colts quarterback Earl Morrill, who would be only the third best on the Jets. He was equally outspoken in a verbal confrontation with Colts kicker Lou Michaels in a Miami restaurant. Three days before... The game, while accepting an award from the Miami Touchdown Club, Naismith made the statement for which he would be remembered: "And we're going to win Sunday. I'll guarantee you." The game was a defensive struggle. At halftime, the Jets led seven to nothing on a Matt Snell touchdown run. New York's defense frustrated Baltimore, and the Colts were scoreless despite repeated opportunities. Jim Turner added two field goals to make the score thirteen to nothing, and Coach Colts. Coach Don Shula inserted Hall of Fame quarterback Johnny Unitas in Morrill's place. Unitas initially failed to move the Colts' offense, and Turner gave the Jets a 16 to nothing lead with his third field goal. Unitas managed to lead the Colts to a touchdown with less than four minutes left. A second drive after a successful onside kick fell short, and the Jets were able to run out the clock for a 16 to seven victory, one of the greatest upsets in football history. Houston Post columnist Jack Gallagher. Trace the Jets' progress from their early days to the Super Bowl. I remember when the 1962 Titans drew 36,161. Not the average attendance, mind you, but for the season. I remember when a squirt of a Texan named Hayseed Stevens instead of Broadway, Joe Namath quarterback, NFL's AFL entry, New York's AFL entry. As the thoughts kept rolling back, I find it difficult to reconcile the Jets with the champions of pro football. But I do recall former AFL commissioner Joe Foss once saying, when sports historians chart the progress of this league, they'll find that no organization in sport went so far so fast. Clearly, the franchise that went the farthest the fastest was the New York Jets. Decline in Namath's departure. Before the 1969 season, the Jets suffered off-season problems. Namath faced with NFL claims as bachelor's three bar was a hangout for gangsters. Was told by the NFL to sell the bar. Instead, he briefly retired, feeling that feeling he had been badly treated. Six weeks following his announcement, Namath sold the bar and rejoined the team. A number of Super Bowl veterans were cut by the team or had bitter contract disputes with Eubank in his capacity as general manager. According to receiver Don Maynard, when you get rid of veteran ballplayers and replace them with rookies, the level goes down. The Jets' success in signing Namath and the rise of the team in the standings adversely affected their crosstown rivals, the Giants, who had played in five NFL championship games in six years to 1963, but who uh, thereafter declined in the standings. Giants owner Willington Mara stated, I think the Jets coming in when they did contributed to our bad years because we tried to do everything for the short term rather than the long haul. We'd trade a draft choice for a player, figuring he'd give us one or two good years. We didn't want to accept how the public would react if we had a bad year or two or three. In 1967, the Giants traded for star Minnesota Vikings quarterback and Hall of Famer Tarkington in the vain hopes he would lead them to renewed success and rival Namath in the public eye. In 1969, the Jets faced the Giants in a preseason game at the Yale Bowl. While the Jets' Super Bowl win legitimized the AFL as a comparable league to the NFL in the eyes of many others, doubted the AFL's standard of play and the Jets were underdogs going into the game. Co- Giants coach Ali Sherman approached the game as if it were a regular season contest and the Jets sent the three remaining original Titans out for the coin toss. The Jets defeated the Giants 37 to 14 and Sherman was fired a few weeks later. The Jets fellow tenants, the Mets won a championship themselves. The baseball team's accomplishments forced the Jets to play their first five games on the road. The Jets recovered from a slow start to win their second consecutive Eastern Division Championship, but fell to the fell to Kansas City Chiefs in the division round of the playoffs 13-6. The first game NFL game for the Jets as the leagues finalized their merger in 1970 was also the first ever Monday night football game, a 31-21 loss to the Cleveland Browns. Three weeks later, Three weeks later, they played the Colts for the first time since the Super Bowl. The Jets lost both the game and Namath, who fractured his wrist and was lost for the season as the Jets fell to a record of 4-10, and the worst mark yet of the Namath era. They did not have a winning season, re- winning record again until 1981. After six years with the team, wide receiver George Sauer, a major con- contributor, offensively retired on April 16, 1971, Namath was injured again in a 1971 preseason game in Tampa and missed much of the season. He returned on November 28th against the San Francisco 49ers and threw three touchdown passes. The Jets lost by three points. The Jets finished the season at six and eight. In 1972, Namath had one of the best days of his career against the Baltimore Colts. He completed 15 of 28 passes for 496 yards and six touchdowns. Despite Namus' performance, John Madden's Oakland Raiders eliminated the Jets from con- contention in their second to last regular season game. New York finished the season with the record as 7 and 7. Before the 1973 season, the aging Eubank announced that he would retire as coach after the season as, and as general manager after 1974. The Mets unexpectedly qualified for the World Series, consigning the Jets to another long stay away from shade. The Jets did not play a home game until the end of October. The team finished with a record of four and ten through their final game. Though their final game against the Bills attracted considerable media attention, the attention was not for Eubanks' last game, but for running back Bills running back O.J. Simpson's attempt to become the first NFL player to rush for two thousand yards in the season. Simpson gained two hundred yards, finished with two thousand three yards for the season. Shortly after the 1973 season, the team hired Eubanks' son-in-law, former Cardinals coach Charlie Winner, as head coach. The new coach showed an initial inability to get his team to emulate his last name. The team started the season by losing seven of their first eight games. Namath, who had a reasonably healthy season behind a poor offensive line, predicted the Jets would win their final six games. The first NFL regular season overtime victory over the Giants at the Yellow Bowl and the usual high number of home games towards the end of the season helped New York in its comeback and a Namath prediction again came true. Al Ward replaced Eubank as general manager in 1975. The Jets won four of their five preseason games, though sports writer Gerald in his... History of the Jets notes that the wins were secured by playing first string players while the other teams were trying out rookies and backups. When the regular season started, the Jets lost seven of their first nine games and winner was fired. Offensive coordinator Ken Shipp became interim head coach and the Jets finished with a record of 3-11. Running back John Riggins, who became the first 1,000-yard rusher in franchise history during the season and made the Pro Bowl departed for the Washington Redskins, as he felt the Jets' Namath-led offense passed the ball too often. New York hired North Carolina State coach Lou Holtz when New York endured the second of three consecutive 3-11 three seasons. Two wins came over the 2-12 Bills and a third over the 0-14 expansion Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Holtz, who went on to great success at Notre Dame, resigned with one game left in the season to become head coach at the University of Arkansas. Following their disastrous 1976 season, the Jets hired long-term assistant Walt Michaels as their new head coach. In the offseason, the team made the difficult decision to part ways with Joe Namath, who had become ineffective on the field. Although Namath's throwing abilities were unimpaired, his knees were so bad as to render him almost immobile. Paul Zimmerman of the New York Post dubbed him the Million Dollar Statue. The team attempted to trade him, but was unsuccessful. Unsuccessful. On May 12 1977, Namath was cut from the roster. He signed with the Los Angeles Rams, but retired at season's end. And that is it. Uh Joe Namath comes in. They kind of build around him, and they later win Super Bowl three. It was looked at as a fluke. Super Bowl fours win by the Kansas City Chiefs against my Minnesota Vikings would later put the AFL and NFL tied at two with uh, the in Super Bowls so when the merger did happen the AFL and NFL looked like they were on solid footing um, a lot of NFL enthusiasts still thought the AFL was never going to last even after they merged but then once they merged they became the NFC AFC and to me it, it, it didn't it, it doesn't have that luster is what it did. Um, Namath And the Jets would have losing seasons after Super Bowl three soup. They almost made it to Super Bowl four. Who knows what would have happened? I don't think maybe the Vikings win Super Bowl four if they go up against Namath, who knows? Um, But anyway, again, as I said, thank you so very much for the amazing support and success that you have given to this podcast. We couldn't have done this without you, the fans, without the network and without the team. We are very humbled by this and we hope to keep giving you great content as you the fans deserve that much. Thank you so very much. Um also go check out the podcasts of the month, which are Barrel Age Flicks and History I'd Like to Fuck with Don Brody or Hilf. And also if you want to go to an award show where you actually get to pick who wins, go on to the deluxe edition network.com where you get to and go over to the Denny's tab click on it and you will get to vote for the favorite categories that you want to vote for thank you so very much and i will talk to you all on tuesday which before i leave i should say that my recording schedule now will be changing it will be still be tuesdays and thursdays but i'm going to add saturdays on so i'm doing it 3 times in a week thank you so very much again and i will see you all on Tuesday for episode three of the history of the New York Jets. This podcast is part of the Deluxe Edition Network. To find other great shows on the network, head over to deluxeeditionnetwork.com. That's deluxeeditionnetwork.com.